Welcome back to the ITK podcast. I'm UK and let's get right into the show. If you're into Nigerian armed robbery lore, if such a thing even exists, the name Anini isn't new to you. This episode will be exploring the story of Nigeria's most infamous bandit of all time. With the dream of becoming a driver, Lawrence Anini, a determined young man born in Orogo village in 1960, which was not too far from the ancient city of Benin, quickly rose to the street ranks at the motor park and famously became the dispute settler at the park from whence he routinely carried out his driving. Being a charismatic character, he had the ears of those whom he presided over and lauded his authority with efficiency so much so he began his own gang soon after learning the ropes and observing a prior gang, the Benin Bandits. Anini recruited other vicious comrades to accompany him on his rampages and awarded those individuals with befitting ranks. Monde Ushumbo was Anini's second in command, while Solomon, John Bull, Moses Idahosa, Philip Iwe Belua, Bernardo B and Friday were his loyal lieutenants. They specialized in car theft and bank robberies. Anini had formed a sophisticated operation, which also included some unscrupulous law enforcement agents as part of his henchmen. Deputy Superintendent George Iyamu was a prominent officer of the law who supplied Anini's gang with information and weapons. Anini and his gang of non-conformists didn't care who they hurt as long as they were going to have what they wanted. And being a lover of the finer things himself, Anini sanctioned his gang and participated in the killing, rape, kidnapping and robbery of countless victims during their reign. Reports have it that Anini particularly enjoyed wearing impeccably tailored suits and was a spendthrift and womanizer who never hesitated to feed his obsessions and material fixations. Charles Enon Chung, the author of The Rise and Fall of Anini, described Anini as a lover of nice clothes and a chain smoker. He wrote, but there was also a hidden coward in him. For that reason, to bolster his courage, he took refuge in alcohol, marijuana, and a menagerie of charms, which all inspired the beast in him. Anini and his gang were heavily invested in voodoo, which they relied on for protection from harm. After appeasing whichever god they were party to, they felt invincible and went ahead to carry out their heinous acts without fear of repercussion or retribution of any kind. Anini and his gang carried out bank robberies around Benin and brutally murdered anybody who stood in their way, especially policemen. Although Anini always maintained that he never wanted to see anyone get hurt and had asked his gang members to spare people's lives. He always claimed that all he did was drive because that's just what he was, a driver. Once, after one of their operations, Anini drove to a nearby market and began to spray cash at the market people. Perhaps out of sheer excitement or utter intoxication, but they had just made a big score, so throwing a few pennies wouldn't particularly stifle their celebratory mood. That act had a positive outcome for them though as people who knew about the rampage and havoc they normally caused now saw them as heroes who stole to help the poor. The gang loved the feedback and made this act their norm. They would rob a bank and display their success rather ostentatiously by spraying money in public places 
for people to gather around and pick. Anini became known as the outlaw king of Benin, as the media portrayed him as a larger-than-life bandit who by all accounts remained untouchable by law enforcement authorities. At the height of his reign, Anini grew so confident that he would send announcements to potential victims, letting them know he would be coming their way. He did this time and time again and never failed to keep his word. He would show up at the exact time and day as he earlier announced, and that was a sign he had grown all too influential in the state. When he announced his imminent visit sometimes, the victims didn't see it fit to report to the police. They rather went to traditional leaders to report and cry out for help. The police force was wildly mistrusted and the residents around where Anini and his gang operated had given up on trusting them. The Nigerian head of state at this point, General Ibrahim Babangira, had charged the police inspector general with the dire mandate of hunting down Anini and his gang and even demanded his whereabouts at a meeting of the Armed Forces Ruling Council in October 1986. In a letter he reportedly addressed to the head of state in October 1986, Anini wrote, Tell our president we like him, but we are not happy here in Bendel. The payment for everything is too much. That is why I now divide any money I get to the people. A news carrier reported six conditions Anini had outlined in order for peace to return and for him and his gang to call a ceasefire. One was no more prosecution of quote-unquote innocent armed robbers. The second was a stop to the collusion between the police, the Nigerian Union of Road Transport Workers, and members of the Oboni cult. The third was no more harassment for market women returning from their work. The fourth was the abolition of the collection of 50 kobo to 5 naira by the Nigerian Highway Patrol. The fifth was equal treatment for everybody and the sixth was fair treatment for all legitimate drivers by the police. These demands had shown Anini and his gang in a new light. They were now taking on their facades and coming off as vigilantes who cared for the common man and justice. He had positioned himself as an advocate for the Nigerian Union of Road Transport Workers, which was his former trade union and the market women. He didn't fail to speak for his fellow criminals whom he described as innocent armed robbers. On the fateful day in December 1986, the residents of Bendel State truly had cause for celebration as the nightmare known as Anini was apprehended in an operation carried out by a 10-man team of crack policemen led by Superintendent of Police Kayode Omonaruru after a heightened manhunt. Anini was caught in his usual festive mood and in the company of various women at number 86 Oyemusa Street in Benin City. The police force met Anini as he opened the door at their beckon. He tried to run but he was shot in his left ankle. He fell and was held down by four policemen who eventually escorted them to their van and took him to the hospital for medical attention before he faced the court. Justice James Omar Gege sentenced Lawrence Anini to death after reading the 33-page judgment, which took well over an hour to deliver. Before his death, Anini maintained that his escapades had been gravely over-exaggerated by the media and that he had been a mere arm robber and exonerated himself of any murder and claimed he had just been robbing, not killing. On March 29, 1987, Anini was publicly executed along with Oshumbo by firing squad Members of his gang had previously been executed along with DSP 
Iyamu. During his larger-than-life era, Anini had predicted that his death would take place in one of the markets in Benin City. Although the population of people who witnessed his execution outnumbered the population who had witnessed his death at the market, the Associated Press reported that thousands of people from all walks in Bendel State watched the public execution of the notorious armed robbers Lawrence Anini and Monde Oshumbo in Benin City. Moments before his inglorious departure from the land of the living, Lawrence Anini reportedly called on God and pled for forgiveness for the way he had chosen to live his life. But it was far too late as the time to leave was nigh. That's it for this week's episode. Special thanks to Dose Cake for writing this episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Follow the podcast so you can get your weekly updates. If you have any topics, events, or people you would like to see covered, hit me up on Twitter at ITK underscore podcast or on Instagram at ITK underscore podcast. I'm UK and this has been the ITK podcast.